Hello, everyone. This is John Byrne with Poets and Quants. Welcome to Business Casual, our weekly podcast with my co-hosts, Caroline Diarty Edwards and Maria Wickvilla. This is the time of the year for a lot of joyous celebration. It's a time when people graduate uh, from college and universities all over the world. Uh, and of course, we are looking at who is coming out of the business schools today. And we do an annual feature. It's, I think it's one of the fun things that we do every single year. Uh, very compelling. And we call it the best and brightest of, uh, well, in this case, 2022. So what we do is we go out to uh, the top business schools in this uh, year. We went out to 75 different business schools and asked them to nominate graduates who are uh, representative of the class as a whole and who are among the very best uh, that they're graduating. 73 of the schools responded with nominations. Uh, all, all told, over 230 students were nominated. Uh, we actually grade those uh, profiles and statements from deans and faculty members on the students to pick the top 100. Um, and I think, if anything, what, what the, the list always shows and the profiles that are pretty extensive on each graduate is just a wide variety and diversity of the MBA student population. In this case, uh, there were 56 women and 44 men chosen. So women outnumbered the men in terms of the 100 best and brightest. 63 of the candidates were born in the U.S., with another 24 already holding advanced degrees. There are eight military veterans on the list. McKinsey and Company, again, ranked as the largest hire of best and brightest talent. They employed six of the 100. Deloitte got five. Uh, Bain and Company and BCG each added in four. And then uh, a wide range of companies got uh, more than one. Accenture, Amazon, Apple, Credit Suisse, Johnson & Johnson, Microsoft, Starbucks, and Salesforce. And when you look at the profiles, one thing becomes very clear, the power of the MBA degree to help one transition from one career to another. Uh, there are people who've gone from Apple to Amazon, uh, from UPS to Deloitte, from Major League Baseball to Dick Sporting Goods, uh, to First Republic Bank, uh, to, to Goldman Sachs, people who've gone uh, from P&G to Bain and Company. Uh, it's really a, a fascinating look at these students. And also, we, we ask them for their advice. And this is, I think, a really cool part of the profile. We ask them for insights into why they think they got into the schools that they got into and what kind of gave them an edge. And if you're out there and you're thinking about going to a business school program, you might wanna just comb through these profiles and see what kind of advice they're giving. Now, I've asked each of us to pick a few of the graduates that were featured and to talk a little bit about them and kind of what they represent in, in one way or another. And Caroline, I think you picked, obviously you're our international <laughs> co-host mm -hmm. and you naturally picked three people from uh, international schools. 
Why don't you go through um, one of yours? Sure. Yes. So the first one I'd like to highlight is a young woman from Saudi Arabia called Maram Al-Bruteri. She's at Asade Business School in Spain. And she jumped out to me because she is a young mother with two children. I think she's a single parent. Um, She's lived in eight countries already. And she has two careers. So um, quite mind boggling how she manages to juggle so many things. So in fact, she is corporate finance executive at Saudi Aramco, where she um, she's closed a two billion dollar deal. Quite extraordinary achievement pre MBA. I believe that she's sponsored by Saudi uh, Aramco and they're they're very good at picking, you know, the best and brightest from the country. So that's a wonderful credential for her to have. And so she'll go back and work at Saudi uh, Saudi Aramco um, post MBA. So in addition to being, you know, brilliant young professional and single mother of two, she's also very passionate about football. So she became the chair, chairwoman of Saudi Arabia's first female football club. So um, soccer to, uh, to to the American audience, but um, elsewhere in the world, we often refer to it as, as football. So, and she has, at business school, she's become the coach to the men's soccer team. And her goal is to become uh, a board member of the, uh, the Saudi Arabia um, football federation. So, so I thought that she's wonderful, right? She's doing so much. I, I can't quite imagine juggling being an MBA student with being a mother of two, as well as uh, you know having um, being so active in on campus with with football. And so, um, you know, I think she's really someone to watch. I, I'm excited to see what she'll do in the future. And that's that's an extraordinary story because, as we know, women in Saudi Arabia have a very difficult time. And for her to break out of the pack and to accomplish all that she had has, as a mom, no less, yeah, uh, in a very elite MBA program, is just astonishing to me. That's that's so such an inspiring story. Yes, she must be a remarkable person. So you know, a fascinating story, and as you say, you know, someone who really stands out and has sort of broken the mold of what might have been expected of her otherwise. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I stumbled across a guy at the Cornell School graduating this year, Brandon Carnell. He's from Levittown, Pennsylvania. And what I like about him is, and I mentioned this earlier, is how people use the MBA to transition into a whole new field. So he had been a consultant at Deloitte. He worked in the strategy and analytics part of the organization. And he's using his MBA to go to Apple as a program manager. He interned at Apple during the summer, which obviously he got through Cornell. He was the president of the high-tech club at the school. And you you look at his involvement at the school, and it's just remarkable. And it's clear to me that he's not only an exceptional young man, but more importantly, he's, he's made already at the school an incredible contribution. Besides being president of the high-tech club, he was an interviewer in the Johnson Admissions Group. He was a Johnson Board Fellow. Uh, he was co-VP of events at the Jewish Business Association. He was a big red tech strategy commercialization fellow. I don't even know what that means, but it's impressive. <laughs> he was a mentor for a strategic product and marketing immersion. Uh, he was a teaching assistant, assistant on a course called Designing Data Products and a teaching assistant on a course called Business Strategy. And it's just it just tells me 
wow, this guy was actively involved in helping Johnson the school become the best community it possibly could be. And here he is going off to Apple, his sort of dream job. He said his opportunity to work at Apple fulfilled his dream in spades. And he's so excited to start this summer. And I can only imagine that this guy has just such an incredible future ahead of future ahead of him. Maria, who stood out to you? Yeah. So I think, I mean, obviously everyone was, was really impressive, but uh, for me, Jen Burka at the Yale School of Management really stood out because she actually started or is in the process of starting and launching the school's first real impact investing fund, which for me was really interesting because Yale is a school that we all associate with the social enterprise sector. And I know that they have done a lot with impact investing in terms of having clubs and events, but it was a little surprising to me, honestly, that they didn't actually have a a fund where people could get hands-on practice and experience. Um, And so I thought it really took a lot of initiative for her to try to develop the fund. uh, And then the, the little article overview of her, it details all of the steps she had to go through to launch the fund. And so it's really, you know, a lot of tenacity. This is not just a regular club because it actually involves real money. (laughs) And so I was really impressed with the amount of tenacity uh, that she has because I don't think she's going to be a beneficiary necessarily of the club because I think it's going to start or really get going after she has left. But I was really impressed with the amount of effort she put in to improve the lives of the, you know, forthcoming generations of Yale students. Yeah, that sounds terrific. That really does. Uh, Carolyn, I know you have a couple of others as well. I do. So, of course, I was very interested to see which fellow Brits were on the list. Um, So I have picked out James Cochran Diet, who is at London Business School. So he is someone else who has a lot of different things to his profile. Quite fascinating. So he's a graduate from Durham, which is a top British university um, where he studied history and international relations. And then he went into the military. Um, so he traveled um, to a lot of different places, had some very interesting responsibilities in the British Army. I thought it was quite fun to read that he commanded a d- division of 90 horse-mounted ceremonial guards for the oh. official celebrations for Her Majesty the Queen. So you know he must be a very safe pair of hands, right? Because <laughs> they're not going to take any chances with that. That's a very important event. And so um, prior to uh, joining LBS, he also worked at KPMG in the global cybersecurity team. So, you know, critical, uh, critical experience there and, you know, very hot topic as well. And I'm sure that brings an interesting extra dimension to what he can share with his fellow classmates. Whilst he was at KPMG, his team set a Guinness World Record for a marathon learning initiative where they were teaching 120,000 children about online safety. So having four kids myself, I appreciate his efforts to make sure that kids are safe online. And um, so he is an aspiring entrepreneur. Um, So he's been involved in a lot of entrepreneurial related activities and internships while he's at LBS. Um, And he's interested in clean tech. He's currently working on a clean tech idea to help solve the UK's plastic waste predicament. And he is leading the school's military and business club, which is the largest MBA military club in Europe. So, um, you know, obviously has the military candidates are often, the military students are often known for the leadership skills. So if he's leading the military club, you know that he's 
really um, very highly regarded as a leader. He's also a military reservist and continues to do that. So, for example, he is on the monitoring board at Wandsworth Prison, which is a big prison in the UK. And he led a project with the National Health Service during the, the pandemic. And he helped to build the UK's largest ICU hospital from scratch within less than two weeks or within two weeks. So quite extraordinary, the number of things that he's done. And, you know, I think it's great to see someone like him at London Business School. I know that sometimes London Business School actually, you know, they struggle to get candidates from the UK because often the UK candidates are going abroad. And so I I know that they are very uh, pleased to get the the top candidates from the UK who choose to, to study there rather than going to other schools in the US or INSEAD and so on. So and he's, he talks as well, his profile about how much he's enjoyed being an ambassador um, for, the, for the city as a, as a Londoner himself with his very international classmates. So, you know, I, I can see how he's someone who would really stand out at London Business School and be you know, very much appreciated as a classmate and also by the administration um, for all his contributions to the school. Well, you know, you listen to those accomplishments already and you wonder... If you're a mere mortal like me, how could I ever get in? <laughs> but, I, you know, I need to point out, too, that, you know, the people we're talking about are really incredibly extraordinary. And that's why they've been chosen not only by their schools in being nominated for this annual feature that we do, but then selected by us as one of the top 100 in the world. I I am really are very eager to see people who come from generally, you know, undergraduate majors where you might not expect them in business school. And there's a woman, Lulu Carter, who is graduating from the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth, who was a history major in school, actually at Dartmouth College. Um, But what I really like about her is this. She has a passion for growing women's professional sports and basically helping uh, women and girls in the U.S. gain greater access to professional sports. And she had been a consultant with a boutique in New Orleans, of all places, called Tripwise. And it's a small growth consulting firm. She applied to Tuck. Uh, They accepted her. And what was interesting to me is how she kind of tailored her MBA experience to fulfill that passion to increase access to uh, professional sports by women and girls. The first thing she did, in fact, was she participated in a first-year project with Under Armour that was focused on high school female athletes. Then for her internship, she ended up at Major League Baseball, where she did a five-year demographic analysis of baseball attendance, helped secure an interview Uh, the chief marketing officer of the NBA, who happens to be a woman for Tuck's Women in Business Conference keynote. She also did a part-time internship during her second year with the leading research and consulting agency in sport called Future Sport and Entertainment. And, And basically, she literally talked her way into a job as a senior manager of strategy now at Dick's Sporting Goods. Which So I find it really fascinating that this young uh, professional has been able to 
kind of like custom uh, her, customize her MBA program at Dartmouth Tuck and tailor it in a way to allow her to get a job where she can actually pursue her passion of increasing access uh, to professional sports for women and, and girls. It's a great story. Okay, now, Maria, who's your next one? My next one is Suhani Jalota from Stanford GSB, who, I mean, talk about a slacker. In addition to getting her MBA at Stanford, she's also getting a PhD at Stanford Medical School because, you know, really lazy. <laughs> no, just kidding. So, uh, before business school, you know, she started a nonprofit uh, in the slums of India. And, and one of the coolest things about her is that she actually won an award from Queen Elizabeth at Buckingham Palace. <laughs> where they spoke about topics like slum governance. So I I thought that, you know, she was just incredible because I think a lot of people in the applicant pool talk about social enterprise or they say things like, well, even though right now I work at a hedge fund, one of these days I'm really, you know, if you let me into your business school, then I'm going to start a, then I'm going to have a change of heart and I'm going to start a nonprofit. Um, but then you find people like this who have actually done so much uh, and so I, I just really, I love that she's actually walking the talk um, because she's going to continue to, while she continues to get her PhD, uh, work on developing yet another social enterprise that is spinning out from her existing social enterprise. And I think it was also, it's also interesting to note that she was a Knight Hennessy scholar, which as if getting into Stanford Business School isn't difficult enough. A Knight Hennessy scholar is essentially you get a full ride. It's incredibly difficult to get. I don't know how many they they give each year. I believe Derek Bolton, who was the former head of admissions for Stanford, is now, or at least as of recently, he was he was leading the Knight Hennessy selection process. And so just the fact that she was chosen for that is probably a pretty good indicator. So I think we're going to see some amazing things from her, which we've already seen, but I think she's going to continue to be someone who really does improve uh, the world, change the world uh, in a positive way. Yeah, that's really amazing. And another royal connection. I mean, <laughs> Caroline had a royal connection too I know. Canada, from London I Business know. School. The queen keeps on popping up. I know. <laughs> uh, Caroline, the queen. you also picked someone from NUS, the National I University. I did, of yes, yes. Where you spent some of your early career in Singapore. I did, yeah. Cool. I spent most of the time, my time um, studying at INSEAD in Singapore. and. Um, and then when I worked at INSEAD, part of my team was in Singapore, so we travel there a lot. And actually, this young woman jumped out at me as well because um, she's from Indonesia. And when I graduated from INSEAD, I went to work in Indonesia for a couple of years with the World Bank Group. So, so I have great affection um, for her country. And so uh, this is Ardelia Jati Safira. She's at NUS, National University of Singapore. She was working in private equity in Jakarta before the MBA. And, um, you know, that's quite a male-dominated industry. So for a young Muslim yeah. woman getting into PE, um, she's already a mold breaker. Um, she's also uh, married and has a, has a child. Um, and, you know, for young Muslim women, uh, mobilizing your family to follow you off to business school um, outside of your home country is not always the, the easiest thing. So she's definitely someone who knows how to make things happen, right? And she's um, become president of the um, the NUS MBA Student Council. In fact, she's the first woman president. She also runs a jewelry business on the side. 
Um, <laughs> and knowing Indonesia, they have so many wonderful handicrafts and such, um, you know, beautiful things that you can get there. So I'm, I'm delighted that she's doing that and she's looking at expanding her sales internationally. So, so you know, I, I'm sure that she's got a lot of potential there. She works for her internship with an organization called Angels of Impact, which is a social impact investment firm um, supporting indigenous women-led community-based enterprises across Asia PAC. So, uh, you know, very, very worthwhile endeavor. So, you know, she's, again, someone who's doing a lot of interesting things, um, very worthwhile things. Um, you know, I think it's inspiring how many of these young people are, are really looking to have a very positive impact and, um, you know, have already been doing that in their lives and continue to do that during their MBA. And that's, you know, a key part of, of what they want to achieve post MBA. So um, again, you know, I think she's someone who, you know, she says that her career goal is to, to establish a venture that employs young indigenous talents from Indonesia. So, you know, someone who's really looking to leverage her talents for the benefits of, of people who may not have the advantages that, that she has. So, um, you know, someone I very much admire and Look forward to look forward to seeing how her career evolves. That's terrific. I wonder, Caroline. You know, you have three candidates that you talked about here, who we profiled in the top one hundred. How similar are these three to the people you tend to work with uh, and help get into business school? Yeah, very similar actually, and that's one of the things that I love, and I'm sure Maria loves about the work that we do is that you know you work with an incredible diverse range of people who are doing extraordinary things and very different things. And so that is, you know, what I really love about my job and and um, and the fascinating stories that they have to tell and something that I really appreciate about what I do compared to when I was um, admissions director at INSEAD. You know, when you're admissions director, we're working in the admissions office, you are getting through so many files, you know, it's a constant production line, you don't have much time to spend on any individual candidate at all, you know, how fascinating they are, you know, you've just got to keep moving on and plowing through. And with the work that we do now, you know, we get to get really get to know these people quite well over several months often. So um, that's a really fun part of my job is to get to spend a lot more time and understanding you know, the, the incredible backgrounds and, and what makes them tick and, and helping them, you know, pull out the the, the elements that can really make them stand out to, to business schools. So, um, you know, and it's very inspiring, right? The the things that people have achieved and often the challenges that they have overcome. So um, that's that's a really fun part of my job. Yeah. And, and I think that really comes through in these 100 profiles. If you want to know essentially who you're going to be at school with, I think, going through these profiles will give you a very good impression of who is going to be sitting next to you in the class um, because there is a universal nature to these profiles in terms of you know the top MBA schools and, and the kind of people that they attract uh, and what people do with their education uh, once they graduate. Another standout to me was this woman, her name is Annabelle Reeves. And I'm just going to say he's graduating from Southern Methodist University, the Cox School of Business with an MBA, uh, a school that's not in the top 25, but she's actually using her MBA uh, to move from First Republic Bank, where she was a credit analyst, to Goldman Sachs in their private wealth management uh, organization. 
And this is a person who majored in psychology at UT Austin. So another sort of uh, um, unlikely undergraduate major with a business career and then an MBA uh, and, and, and moving into Goldman Sachs, one of the premier uh, investment banking firms in the world and a really cool job. And I'm sure she would not have been able to do that without the MBA. And I think that just speaks uh, to the power of the MBA to transform one's life and to help them achieve their dream. Now, Maria, I think you have one final candidate to highlight. Who is it going to be? Yeah, one more person who caught my eye was Chikezi Anachu uh, from Arizona State's W.B. Carey School of Business. And I think the reason that he jumped out to me was because, first of all, he had already gone to school to be a lawyer. Now, oftentimes when people are lawyers and they try to make the jump to an MBA program, it can be somewhat challenging. But I like that he sort of gives hope to people that as long as you have a really well thought out, re thought out reason for getting uh, the MBA, that it can indeed be a, a great switch. And then another reason I wanted to highlight him is that he will be going to McKinsey as an associate after business school. And I think we, we've spoken on this podcast before about how it's not necessarily the, the school that makes the person, it's the person that makes the school, or in this case, the person who gets the job offer. And so even though Arizona State is not necessarily this posh, uh, school that is sort of the, the most famous one for sending people to elite jobs like this. I think this is evidence, just further evidence that as long as you knock it out of the park during that case interview, and as long as you do well during the interview process, you don't have to go to a top three, top five, even top 10 school to get some of these very coveted post MBA positions. This guy is yet more living proof of that adage. So Congratulations, uh, Chikezi, You've, you're really an inspiration. Yeah, I love that story. And as I mentioned, I mean, the SMU Cox uh, uh, MBA who's going to Goldman Sachs, that's another, uh, you know, you would, might not have expected that. But mm -hmm. this, this just tells you, you know, you can, you don't have to go to Harvard, Stanford, or Wharton, NCAA, or London Business School to achieve your dream. There are a lot of other schools out there. Uh, you can stand out and you can get um, pretty much whatever job you want if you are totally into it and, and, and deserving of it. All right. Well, look, take a look. I, I love this feature. This is one of my favorite things that we do every year. Uh, it's the best and brightest of 2022. You can find it on the website. 100 incredible, compelling stories uh, that are also inspiring people who got into these schools, are graduating at the, really at the top of their classes and going off to do wonderful things. This is John Byrne with Poets and Quants. You've been listening to Business Casual, our weekly podcast. 